Hello, and welcome to Solar Storms, the latest episode in the Crossing Thin Ice podcast series, brought to you by Actuarial Risk Management. This is Dave Ingram, and I'm joined today, as always, by Max Rudolph. Everyone knows that it doesn't work well to wait until it rains to fix the hole in your roof. In fact, we should be applying the very same type of thinking to emerging risks like today's topic, solar storms. Usually, with emerging risk, we do not yet even know whether we have a hole or whether it makes more sense to fix something now or wait until later. Those are the sorts of questions that you need to start asking yourself and eventually answering. This podcast about solar storms can get you started thinking. Max will be telling us about the last major solar storm that hit the Earth and helping us to start imagining what might happen to us all if another solar storm passes through Earth's orbit so we can start thinking about how we need to prepare. Let's get started. Solar storms are known to most people by the names Aurora Borealis or Northern Lights, but few have made any preparations. When you think about an emerging risk, it should have a material impact and be definable. Solar storms are such a risk with historical occurrence and new technologically driven exposures that make them more than a beautiful set of Northern Lights. When the sun is in the active part of its cycle, it emits solar flares or flashes of light and coronal mass ejections, uh, CME or also called particle clouds. When these intersect the Earth's orbit, a magnetic storm is generated. The easiest way for a layman to determine the strength is to note how far south the aurora borealis can be seen. Typical frequency of the most extreme storms has been several times per century, similar to those that of pandemics. We've seen recently how easy it is to forget to plan for events that don't occur very often, so it is helpful to be proactive for these types of, of risks. A couple of historical events are noteworthy. The most often cited is known as the 1859 Carrington event, named for one of the astronomers who observed and measured it. Auroras were seen as far south as the Caribbean, and in some places, the glow resembled the dawn. Telegraph lines were being deployed at the time, and the storms caused sparking and fires at some stations. Technological infrastructure is susceptible to damage, but humans are protected by the Earth's atmosphere and magnetosphere. In more recent events, geomagnetic storms have been blamed for the failure of 40 SpaceX Starlink satellites that had not yet reached their planned orbit in February 2022. And there was a solar storm in March 1989 that created a large power outage in Quebec due to the geographical properties of the area. The Earth experienced a near miss in 2012 when a strong CME passed through the Earth's orbit just a few days before we did. So what is at risk during a geomagnetic storm? For people, being in outer space without protection from radiation is the primary threat, although being on an airplane in flight could be problematic if you are high enough. If protected by the atmosphere, as we are when we are on the ground, it appears no harm will come to you. Technology creates many potential concerns, both for infrastructure and for personal property. Some communications will be impaired in ways that can be planned for. Power grids can experience surges that create blackouts. And if the infrastructure is damaged, 
<clears throat> it could take months or even years to recover due to supply chain issues. Satellites are at risk since they have electronics impacted by static charges, but they will also encounter forces that act like friction and slow them down, making it harder to maintain an existing orbit. This is what happened to the SpaceX satellites. They were in a low orbit staging area at the time. Anything that conducts electricity is at risk. So if you get word that a large storm is coming, powering down electronics and disconnecting the battery in your car would be a good idea. You may have a short time to prepare, or you may have a day or two. Much of the proactive game plan can leverage what you do for any other power outage. Have some food and water available, be prepared to stay at home, and have some extra cash. Don't assume credit cards or ATMs will work. Your phones, computers, and the internet may all be down. So might your power and other utilities. Major risk during a solar storm is for wildfires sparking from electrical lines. If a strong geomagnetic storm occurs during a drought, there could be widespread fires. The current 11-year solar cycle, tied to the recurring magnetic flip of north and south on the sun, peaks in 2025. So recent episodes of the Northern Lights have provided a preview. If there are reports that other areas have suffered outages, try to learn from it, develop a plan in advance. In addition to the physical risk impact of a strong geomagnetic storm, the economic repercussions could be long-lasting. Electrical transformers have a limited number of suppliers and capacity, but at least suppliers are dispersed globally, so some supply chain issues are avoided. Investors may have trouble moving money, resulting in liquidity risk, and insurers will have claims as property is destroyed, people are injured, and die during and following the event. It remains an unpredictable event, but one that could occur at any time and interact with other risks to make modern conveniences unavailable. Before we move on to part two of today's podcast, we want to tell you about the ARM Actuarial Data and Modeling Institute that supports a wide variety of actuarial tasks. Dave, actuarial modeling is fast becoming a highly specialized, sophisticated, and critical function as insurance regulations, products, and assets become increasingly complex. To keep up with this rapidly changing environment, insurers are challenged to recruit and retain resources and to implement the technology needed to accurately model their businesses to inform critical management decisions that drive stakeholder value. Well, Max... The ARM Data and Modeling Institute provides insurers a modern solution to their actuarial modeling needs. Backed by ARM's network of highly experienced consultants, the ARM DMI supports clients in all modeling applications, including statutory and gap reporting, capital management, product development, business planning, M&A, IFRS 17, LDTI, PBR, actuarial systems implementation, and conversion. The ARM DMI customizes onshore, nearshore, and offshore solutions, utilizing many of the major actuarial platforms, including Axis, Profit, Moses, Polysystems, and ProVal, uh, within a modern data and analytics solutions architecture. The ARM DMI invests in continuous improvement of the people, processes, and systems of actuarial modeling to ensure that client needs for accuracy, efficiency, and cost are achieved. 
Well, Max, ARM has licensed software from two of the globe's most widely used actuarial software packages, FIS's Profit and Moody's Axis. We also use our own easily customized PAARS software, which is fast, cloud-based, and uses a modern data science architecture. The ARM DMI platforms make a great solution efficient, cloud-based platforms, cost-effective offshore data scientists, and a deep bench of senior actuaries. You should explore how your business can benefit from the latest actuarial modeling technology. ARM will work with you every step of the way to provide you with reporting, capital management, product development, and business planning actuarial modeling expertise. Contact ARM today. Now, back to our podcast. So, Max, what's a solar storm and why do we care about it? Well, a solar storm is, is a naturally occurring event. The sun is a furnace, essentially, and occasionally, and these run in cycles, but it will shoot out solar flares and other, there's a couple of different ways it can do it um, with uh, some mass ejections and things like that. But um, what it ends up doing is if the earth runs into the path, now think about it, the sun is a sphere, so these uh, solar flares can go out in any direction. So most of the time they're not coming towards the earth. And of course the earth is moving in, in an ellipse around the sun. And so the earth has to move into the solar storm essentially uh, in order for it to happen. And, and what it causes on, on earth is the Northern lights, you know, the Aurora Borealis. And historically, you know, that's been uh, something that, you know, was just a, a really pretty event that people in the northern hemisphere and, and there's you know southern lights as well uh, but not as many people that far uh, that close to the, the the south pole and so because we didn't have electronics available during these earlier storms it wasn't as big a deal as it would be today what's a carrington man okay carrington is actually um, one of the astronomers one of the physicists that was measuring the first solar storm that was measured on earth and it was 1859 so just before the u.s civil war uh, you're just getting telegraphs put in so you're just starting to see some electronic type things going on electricity is is becoming useful but it's not very widespread if you were to look at the earth from the sky in the evening it, it would be pretty dark you'd see some fires that were campfire type things but you really wouldn't see, you know, like you see today when you're on an airplane, you can tell what city you're going past just by the, the lights. Um, although probably, Dave, where you are on the East Coast, it's just so continuous that maybe, maybe you can't tell <laughs> anymore. <laughs> where I'm at in the middle, middle of the country, you still have some, some space in between cities to be able to, you can pretty much tell when you're flying at night where you're at. And so these, these telegraph lines, you know, they shock the, the telegraph operators when, when the event happened. They caused some, some small fires. But the, the more interesting thing is that the northern lights, it, to, to demonstrate how strong this storm was, the northern lights usually only see it down. I mean, I'm in, I'm in Omaha and, and seeing it here is, is very rare. But here in 1859, this event, you saw you were able to see it in the Caribbean out on the islands. So it was a very strong storm, uh, went very far south. There's a 
a story about how miners in, in Colorado, of course, didn't have any alarm clocks to wake up by. Uh, so they woke up to the light and it was bright enough that they thought it was dawn, uh, that they got up and, and started getting ready to, to go to work. And it was probably two in the morning or something like that instead. As it turned out, it, you know, because of the timing, it was an interesting historical event. But because we had not developed electronics and an elect- electrical grid, that type of thing, it really wasn't a big deal. Probably as an aside, humans are protected by the atmosphere and, and other parts, you know, the ozone layer and things like that from these solar storms. So unless you're up in space, it will impact a uh, satellite. Things can, can happen up there and uh, Starlink uh, satellites that actually were slowed down their friction because they weren't at full orbit yet and actually fell back into the atmosphere and burned up. Oh my. So that, that sounds very real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't have a telegraph line now, so that part's safe, but I, I probably have some other electronics. So what, what, what are the kind of things that uh, I should think about doing if, if I hear that something's coming? Well, and again, um, with all these, these risks that I talk about, I, I go out and do some research and I know a little bit about it, but I, you know, there are other people who are greater experts than me. What, what I've run across is some recommendations that you, you turn off your electronics and disconnect the battery, and, including your car battery. So you would essentially take everything off the grid that you could and try to, try to save that. Now, there's not much you can do about the, the transformer at the at the local utility company but there are some things that they they suggest there too you know one of the things they even talked about was with your laptop that you could put your laptop into a sealed cardboard box and wrap it in aluminum foil that just seems kind of crazy uh in terms of what you would do so it's it's one of those things that i think it's it's worthwhile to ask your it people if you're at a company for ideas and ask them to to research it and try to try to protect the company as as well as 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 you can going forward. We, we've all become students of the supply chains, I guess, in the last couple of years. Uh, something never worried about before that. But uh, how does this? Uh, how do you think this is going to affect uh, supply, or how will supply chains affect this? I, I you know. Yeah, and it's it's very similar to the PPE that we ran into with the the pandemics. The uh, you know, especially something like the electrical grid, the transformers that are used there that would be most likely to, to fry during a, a solar storm. Uh, historically, those have been made in, in Japan. And to where now they will say that if you have an event and you need a bunch of them, you know, it could be years before you get them. You know, it's not a matter of just weeks or even months, but it, it could be a long period of time. Supply chain is important. Hopefully, uh, part of the planning process is to bring some of the, those uh, manufacturing facilities back to, to North America uh, and make it to where the, because it's, it's not just a matter of getting one. It's a matter of just like with the vaccines where the domestic companies that were making them were told by, by their political governments that you know, they couldn't sell them to certain countries. So they were keeping them all locally. So you know that Japan, if that's the main place where they're being built, they're going to take care of themselves first and then ship to other places. If we can have some that are being built in the United States or or Canada, that would be a, a major coup in terms of preparation. 
and buy candles. Yeah. Yeah. That, I guess that's your backup or go to bed earlier. You know, it's, <laughs> you live, live in a forest. So you have uh, firewood to, to work with. Well, I certainly learned something from that. I had no idea that solar storms were so dangerous and that one actually happened just 170 years ago. I'm moving solar storms up higher on my own personal emerging risk list. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Crossing Thin Ice, presented by Actuarial Risk Management. If you found it valuable, please like, subscribe, and share with your colleagues.